0: Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in,
1: because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Paul Moore. Hi, Paul. Hey, Mike. Man, it's great to see you again. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Likewise. Great to see you on Zoom. <laughs> in this day and age, it's all on Zoom. And, uh, That's right. It feels like it. Yeah, but we do uh, connect in person. So we'll be back to traveling and hopefully we'll see you at the next uh, CG Mastermind or one of the yeah. other events. Yes, sir. How have you been? What's, uh, what's new and exciting in the world of uh, Paul?
0: what's new exciting in my world well we're you know raising money for our fund we're exploring a few new asset classes and i think more maybe more importantly we're 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 thinking through how to pivot based on the uncertainty in the economy i heard a really good um webinar it's been some months ago from origin talking about why their fund is you know is doing first lean position debt and i would you know and the the logic behind it it's, it's it was really more like preferred equity it looked more like preferred equity to me at least and it just really reminded me you know at times like this there's a lot of companies scrambling who are very worthy of getting you know cmbs or other loans that might not qualify right now or they might not get those loans and so we see an opportunity here. What, what do you think?
1: Uh, it's a great thought process. So firstly, that uh, is a, something that we like to do, of course. It's a, a conservative, defensive investment strategy. If you can get quality deal flow and you can price it uh, to the point where you need to price. So we still do firstly in debt today. We did it before. We continue to do it. The only good news or sort of the theoretically, the better news is that you can push the rates up for years. The whole space was uh, getting flooded mm-hmm. with uh, a lot of institutional dollars and the rates have come down quite a bit and right. now they're beginning to climb. So if you are thinking to pro- to provide firstly in debt, uh, in general, you are in a position of power, you could raise rates. So whatever you yeah. were thinking before now, you could, you could do more. Uh, right. With safety of the first lien position and good underwriting, I, I think it's a generally pretty good strategy into a uh, highly uncertain market.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I think so too. And I think what it does is it provides, especially the preferred equity, which I'll call it similar in a sense. It provides some you know real safety for a conservative cash flowing fund in times where it's not real clear where. Things are going. I just talked to somebody, an investor in Sacramento 30 minutes ago, who said that, you know, uh, Meta, uh, Facebook had laid off 11,000 people in Sacramento. At the same time, they're building apartments all over town. Of course, we all know that they've been flooded with people from the Bay Area for years. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there. You know, it's hard to say. I bet they won't be able to continue with the rent growth they've seen over the last four years. I don't know.
1: Well, that's a great point. So uh, the layoffs is the desired outcome of the Fed policy. That's exactly right. what they're trying to do, right? They right. they need to slow down the economy. They need to see layoffs. And tech companies are generally one of the early um, folks that, that, that let folks go because they're highly sensitive to the interest rate. Right. So the fact that we're seeing substantial layoffs is actually theoretically good news for the economy mm-hmm. to slow down inflation, right? Right. As far as the building projects in the layoffs in the same area, well, for those developers, it's not a welcome use because the incomes are going to take a beating and the Class A apartments they're going to build, they may not be able to get target rents. So the Class yeah. A ground up construction projects look pretty speculative to me. So I mean, just provided two two comments on, on two thoughts here uh, and back to the preferred equity. Uh, I happen to agree with you. The preferred equity is a great opportunity to participate in this market where uh, you can't... So, so let's just take a step back and break up capital stack, right? Senior debt is the most, uh, the safest part of the investment. And after that, typically, unless there's a mezzanine debt, if there's no mezzanine debt, then preferred equity is behind the the first lien debt. And if you are not participating in the first lien debt because a bank is, then the next safest position to be is in the preferred. And as you know, we've been doing a whole bunch of deals with the preferred and common for multiple reasons. I certainly love the strategy because preferred provides greater safety. And this is really important. Also, depending on the deal structure, preferred can actually get yield. While the common gets no yield, all the yield goes to preferred. And that's a way to generate some returns some on flow in this market. So I certainly love preferred and we income focused funds with a degree of safety, it's a great strategy. It lacks depreciation, but at the end of the day, as a fund manager, you don't really care as much about depreciation as you care about the right investment. So now, does it happy.
0: always lack depreciation? I mean, by its own nature, or is it, that usually just a choice of the it, operator?
1: It's by it. Well, it's conceptually, it's how it is designed, right? Depending on how the operating agreement is written, you could give preferred equity some depreciation. You can mm-hmm. give some depreciation after common equity right. gets its depreciation. There's a little bit of financial engineering you can do. We happen yeah. to choose uh, uh, structures where preferred equity doesn't get any, but it doesn't prevent you to have a structure where preferred gets five percent, or ten. Yeah. percent you could certainly do something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I just want to say on your show right now, you, you know, you were way ahead of me on this. I mean, your 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 fund has been, you know, you've been talking to me for years about preferred equity, and I just kind of ignored you, but uh, I'm coming around, my friend. I think you're right. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, the world is old, right? These ideas have been around, so I, I don't claim to have invented them. I just happen to uh, like certain ideas that have been utilized in the past, and we've, we've structured our funds, for example, Tempo Growth Fund Two, and some of our recent uh, syndications that way. The Michigan Two deal, and then the, the one that's coming up, Oak Park and Stephenson House. And the reason it works is because I studied sort of our well investors, and I, 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 at least, I. I understand what they want. And we we try to give them what they want. There are different uh, needs out there. Uh, And there are folks that want higher safety and the one they want cash flow, right? For those folks, preferred equity is music to their ears. And there are folks who are real estate professionals or not real estate professionals, but they have sold appreciated real estate and they need depreciation to offset that. Mm -hmm. The folks who need depreciation, they want a lot of it. And they're willing to take on more risk or being in the common equity position versus the preferred. It's a trade-off. It's not a perfect world. You you either get higher safety, cash flow, or you get uh, more upside, higher risk, and tax benefits. Mm-hmm. And you get to pick and choose. And the crazy part, you could do both. You right. can actually do both. You could, you could say, hey, I am investing a million dollars, but I'm only taking $200,000 position in the common and $800,000 in preferred. Right. Right. so that ability to control what you where you invest in is what I love when these when we put these deals together of yeah. course it's not a perfect structure but it gives a little bit more choices to folks yeah. that participate yeah so yeah. let's continue what what are you seeing in this market obviously the market is uh volatile the rates uh, are still climbing um they there's some uh so there's some fresh uh hopes that the Fed will lighten up, but they haven't indicated that. <laughs> although yeah. uh, the, the bond market and the stock market, were pretty happy with yesterday's data that came out on inflation, although we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the upcoming uh, days and yeah. weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, so inflation's
0: of- dropped officially at least, what, one, about a percent. So uh, the news is 7.7, but that's obviously far above their target of 2 so it sounds to me like they'll probably continue to raise that. I mean, if I had to guess, likely about the same clip as they have been, um, until they get it down at least, you know, to maybe half of where it is now. What do you think?
1: Well, <laughs> crystal ball cr- uh, question, yeah, crystal ball broke can find that on sale. I've said it, I many. know, but the yeah. uh. The thought process is the next raise will be 50 basis points, not 75. And, and I you know, I could be wrong. It could be 75. We, we don't know. But at least uh, this report is giving them a little bit more ammunition to say maybe the next increase is 50 basis points. And if it continues, maybe the following one could actually be 25. I mean, they may be yeah. slowing down um, as they start seeing data improving. And, and we don't know. Yeah. Uh, how much changes they need to see to 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 take the foot off the pedal completely, but they need to if they're seeing the right changes in the right direction, they'll probably be a little bit more uh, uh, dovish versus hawkish. Right now, they're extremely hawkish.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. So, They've come a long way from saying it was transitory just a year ago last month. Except six of the I, I think. Eighty percent, sixty to eighty percent of the people on the Federal Reserve Board thought they wouldn't need to raise rates. I don't understand that when we could see it. I don't mean just you and me; the public could see it.
1: Yeah, that's the most um, disturbing and a a fascinating part. And the word "fascinating," uh, using the words of Mister Spock, this is fascinating. Yes, Uh, it is unfortunate that they you can call them sleep. They sleep in the wheel. They're incredibly bright people. Most yeah. of them are, unfortunately, uh, closer to being uh, economists rather than uh, practical uh, investors. Yeah. Although Jay Powell have been through the uh, private equity and he's been a very successful private equity investor, but taking right. a step a step back. Um, it, it's it's it's. I, I think they're going back for years of uh, from Greenspan to Bernanke to Janet Yellen to Jay Powell they have uh, expected to see asset inflation but not uh, not cpi not the consumer price inflation which they really couldn't tolerate and it, it's it's kind of was well, almost a shock and surprise to them that the consumer inflation was going to shoot through the roof so fast it was the right. signs were there but they were sleeping in the wheel i don't know how else yeah. they, put it. they could yeah, have started right. a whole lot earlier but they didn't so yeah when they uh they woke up they said wait a minute we got a big problem on our hands this the yeah. CI is out of control and that's yeah. why they 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 started very aggressively But yeah, it, yeah. it it it's it, fascinating that the fact that they should have seen it coming but they didn't and yeah. that that's that's the amazing part these brightest folks uh, we at least we believe they who runs yeah. the, who who runs the who has the most power in the world you would think US president i think it's the fed chair yeah they control the rates and in the and liquidity and the money supply yeah, sure. The seems power like the control is immensely bigger than the president of the United States. So yeah. they have a lot of responsibility, a lot of power, and somehow they they, they miss the the timing, and it happens again Jer- and again. Yeah,
0: I got I got to hear Jeremy Siegel speak um, in person uh, in Kansas City recently. Uh, you know, a brilliant economist, and and I wasn't tracking him the last two years to be fair. But if I re, if I took his comments accurately, he was apparently screaming at them a year and a half ago at least maybe two to raise the rates a little to try to curb this i don't know that that would have fixed it but he thinks that if they would have acted a year earlier they they could have avoided a lot of this
1: I don't well know. the gradual changes um like in that movie too fast and too and too furious right that's what they, they they must have watched that movie so when they decided to to go forward they went fast and furious um changing the rates fast and at a very unprecedented uh, clip. Yeah. Uh, but they should have started away earlier. And uh, they, uh, I think they've realized that if they don't do it fast and aggressive, they're they, they, they going to have problems for many years. So they're trying to chop inflation at the knees rather quickly. Yeah. But the, the, the crazy part, um, they don't even understand the uh, impact. Um, yeah. The, the rate changes, uh, well, the Fed policy has long and variable legs, as in the words of, of uh, in the book. Um, uh, I'll, I'll get back to the book in a minute, but I'm not sure which one you're referring what... to. No, I'll tell you in a second which book I'm you're referring. better read than me, probably. Yeah, it, 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 it's a phenomenal book. It's called Um, The Lords of Easy Money. Uh, ah, that, that's a very no, I don't know about book. that. Yeah, it's a great book about the Federal Reserve and. I've read it a couple of times now, and I can tell you that they don't know exact impact. That's the long and variable lag. It just means that it takes a while for the action to kick into the economy, and the impact yeah. is really clear. And that's yeah. the challenge. The layoffs just been announced in, in, in Meta, for example, could have been from the rate changes they started six months ago. We don't know that.
0: Well but, I mean let's but let's look at this. meta went above a trillion dollars in total cap, and it's now last I checked uh last week. it was down to 256 billion from a trillion so they they have their own set of problems
1: Well, that's the asset bubble that's the asset bubble they call with very low interest rates. I mean the, that yeah. that has always been the 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 issue that that these very low interest rates yeah. uh, encourage nothing but speculation. So a lot of investors written their uh, checks into the speculative issues. The yeah, population. at the
0: same time, Amazon drops a good bit and Apple dropped very little relative to them. So I will say, Meta, you know, Facebook, I, I think that they've certainly got their own set of problems that are unique to them. But here's a question I want to pose We talked about 11,000 layoffs in Sacramento. What about the 11 million job openings in America right now? 11 million. Mike, if you could lay off 11 million people, and let's just theoretically say it was really fluid, and those 11 million could go out and get another job tomorrow, is there any net gain to the Fed's efforts? I would say, at least in that one regard, no. How's
1: that going to get fixed? Well, you bring a a great point. Uh, You can't fixed inflation without fixing the unemployment. And, and then unemployment is not a problem. It's, 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 it's a great problem to have, right? Right. To unfortunately, inflation will be sticky and it will be persistent Yeah. Uh, unless unemployment rate climbs. And you can't solve unemployment uh, rate if you uh, have so many opening positions. Uh, but it will gradually trickle through the system. Uh, that That's how it works. You want to see, start seeing layoffs which basically theoretically increase unemployment rate a little bit, and those folks go find another job. Uh, but at least that's a start of a gradual aggregate reduction of number of positions that are open out there. If you think about this, right? Companies yeah. that are laying off people will probably stop any new hires. There'll be a hiring freeze. They'll clear out the excess uh, labor that they have. And then those companies that still in dire need of, of hiring May have might absorb at least portion of the, those who have been laid off. The mm-hmm. US, the 10 million uh, opening jobs problem uh, has been driven by a few factors. One, uh, weak immigration over the last few years. Part of it, COVID, right? During COVID, we've had a lot less immigration. The US needs a lot more immigration. That's one of the issues, both uh, skilled labor as well as some of the entry level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you can't really solve uh that problem without cooling the economy. More layoffs, may have more layoffs, more layoffs eventually uh will, will create higher employment numbers. But you're right from the point of view that opening jobs will be observing uh, obs- uh, observing folks that come off the uh corporate uh payroll in matter, I and mean, they're gonna go possibly for I don't know, Google who right. needs more folks. But the concept right. is still still the same you have to force more layoffs and then some companies that have opening jobs may come to the decision that um things are not running just as well and they may start closing some of those positions right right but that's that's the intention of this whole exercise
0: yeah you know um part of the problem too is you know there's this i I don't know what it's called the great i'll get it wrong the great departure or whatever there's so many people who have retired Or just quit working or not looking for work right now. I mean, there's a lot of millennials even. And Gen, you know, I don't know about Gen Z, but there's a lot of people in the 20s to 40s and 50s who are not even working or looking for work. I don't totally get that. I mean, I know part of it's been the government subsidies that have run out, but my goodness. I mean, if there's millions of people who are able-bodied sitting at home, that's got to be part of the problem too and of course immigration could partly solve that as you said not giving them government subsidies would be another solution not sure what else
1: yeah you're touching on a fundamental uh desire to work problem right you 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 got and, and the other issues uh, number of folks who have chosen to retire early they could have, they could still be working but yeah uh, they 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 made the decision that they don't want to go back to work because once you disconnect from, it, 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 it's psychological, right? You've disconnected from working mm-hmm. and now you're home. And if you have enough, I guess, dollars saved and you feel comfortable, you know, if there's no pressure for you to go to work you, you, because you can't feed your kids, mm-hmm. then you may choose not to work, right? It's it's kind of one of these things where generally speaking, get back to the immigration, you need to feel the hunger. You need to have feel the need you come to America to work, to make a living, to make, to be successful. Yeah. Right? If, if you, that this is the classic traditional way. And and if you are an immigrant coming over, we're going to take care of you, you not to do any work. As you can imagine, people can choose, hey, I'm, 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 I'm going to be enjoying <laughs> without spending, enjoying life without spending the, the time working. And that, that, that's a fundamental concern, a fundamental problem. People don't want to work for the reasons that um maybe they they, they retiring early and uh, or maybe it's the helicopter money that they've received yeah it's yeah, hard yeah. to get get or their
0: spouse that. is working
1: yeah but at the end of the day when the pain is severe people go back to work yeah they, right, they, right. they need a lot more pain to be caused in the economy a yeah. lot more layoffs a lot more yeah uh, then people start making those decisions not out of a nice life. But out of a necessity that they need to work to pay the bills, that's that's kind of the way to think about it.
0: I've got an idea, guys. If you don't want to work, marry a traveling nurse.
1: (laughs) Have you heard about
0: that? I heard about a. I heard I talked to a doctor the other day, who said a he was in Tampa. A whole bunch of nurses were so frustrated by COVID, and he explained how horrible it was. A lot of them had to play hospice nurse. They were ER nurses or uh, or, or they were um, critical care nurses. And they had, they had to be there holding the hand of this dying patient because their family couldn't get in during COVID. And they had to do FaceTimes on their phone with this person and the family weeping in the parking lot as this person was dying. And it took a huge toll on them. So a bunch of them quit in Tampa, and a bunch of them quit in Orlando, an hour and a half I think, away, and now they're traveling nurses at the other place, costing the hospital system double or whatever it would have cost if they would have stayed in their jobs. He said this is a massive problem that can't quickly be fixed and the that's adding to this whole mess.
1: Yeah, if I understood you correctly, um, the Traveling nurses get paid more working somewhere else than right. in their own neck of the woods. Yes, a lot. Well, that's, that, that's 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 setting fuel to the inflation fire. So yes, that's somehow, right. Uh, there's dislocation of supply and demand. Yes, of labor and 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 it's not going to get solved anytime soon. No. So that's the reason. That's the concern that um, the Fed may not. Uh, although people hope that they're going to slow down, but. They may continue to push the rates I up know. until they start seeing a lot more uh, layoffs. And that's yeah. the, the I think we, we need to definitely improve immigration policy. We definitely need more immigrants. This country was built nine immigrants. I was an immigrant. Yeah. And I can tell you, uh, bringing folks in with a desire to work is going to alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah, no doubt. And in on a forward basis, I think it's pretty clear that the government fiscal policy is not going to be very uh, inflationary. They they're not going to be spending a ton of money. The COVID crisis is sort of over. The the composition these midterm elections have changed the composition of the um, house at least. Right, we don't know the final numbers yet. Yeah, uh, we're recording this in November eleventh, but so we don't have the final numbers. But it's pretty clear that. Uh, the, at least it's going to be restrained uh, on that and then the rest the economy just needs to cool down by itself and mm-hmm. let the government stay out of the business right the, the last regulation the, the split uh, government will probably be good for um for business in general let yeah. the business run its course and the fed action will cool down the economy and we just yeah. hope it's going to be sooner rather than later yeah by the way the reason sure hope so. the rates fast and furious is they cannot afford, right? To do it slow, they just cannot afford.
0: Yeah, because I heard I don't have the exact numbers, but it'll cost the uh, the U.S. government like an extra trillion dollars if they don't get this rate up and then back down very quickly.
1: Yeah, it's not just the it's not just the U.S. Uh, government. You have the right. public debt, the, the, oh, the private okay. debt. Unimaginable. The, the private debt is, is a humongous problem. A lot of uh, Corporations are essentially now the zombie companies. If they had to refinance their bonds now, they wouldn't have enough cash flow to service the debt. Yeah, and and that's a that's a pretty bad position to be in. Uh, the U.S. economy is leveraged for so much debt, and I think if we don't get the rates back down, the refi cycle will be detrimental to uh, uh, to yeah investors.
0: I just saw a stat that said 23 percent of CMBS will be essentially CMBS debt will be essentially unrefinanceable in the coming couple of years
1: if there is no come, come back down yes correct
0: yeah right yeah it,
1: it's 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 alarming um you look at some of the rates today versus what they were a year ago right I mean just a year ago they, the rates have gone up so much in many cases more than doubled. On yeah. what uh was available, uh, that if you had to uh, suddenly refinance, you're in deep trouble, absolutely in yeah. deep trouble today. And um that that's the that's the need is to to cool down the economy fast and get that employment uh, higher, get inflation a little bit more under control, and then they, they're gonna have to probably um start pushing the rates down. The big question is gonna be this. Are they going to hit? Are they going to get hit with some kind of a crisis, or it's just going to be gradual? If they get hit with a mm-hmm. crisis, they're going to have to move fast. Yeah. So we we don't know this, but uh, at this point. Right. So, um, any new opportunities be beyond to invest beyond the first lien debt? Anything interest? Anything and preferred equity? What else are you thinking about? I
0: mean, we you and I have talked about this before, but I, I'm really interested in continuing to understand and, and look at more R V parks. There's three types, at least three major types of RV parks out there. That's the you know, the overnight, uh, which is kind of on the way somewhere. There's the um long term stays like at a lake where people put a deck around their RV and they stay there year round or for, for, you know, usually for decades and then there's the third type which is destination RV parks which have like a water park and slides and playground and movie screens and literally 50 other things fishing lakes and swimming pools and you know 2 to 3 million dollar water park added all those things we we really like these asset classes the the supply and demand is way way out of whack especially when you consider outdoorsy and RV share, which allow people to turn their RV into a rolling rental unit. Now, instead of sitting idle 350 days a year, they might be able to rent them out, you know, 100, 200 of those days. Uh, I know somebody you and I both know is the same person who has um, rented her RV for six months of this last 12 and made $40,000 net cash flow on an eighty thousand dollar investment in six months and so um a uh, pretty impressive asset class something i want to invest more in i just I'm, I'm looking for operators who have you know a decade or more of experience and i'm not finding
1: them yeah and that's the biggest challenge uh the concept makes sense uh i certainly love the idea and we would love to invest in in the rv park we talked about this we get the right operator who uh, you have both great experience and also institutional quality terms. Right. You either get the sort of the newer folks and they'll agree to any terms you want because they want to try it, which you don't want to invest with them. Right. Or uh, you have great operators and they, they've established pretty strong presence. And again, yeah. the deal flow is limited too. So it's not like yeah. this, this type of deal flow is uh, readily available. But right. strategy does make sense if you can find great operators and great deals
0: yeah i'm also thinking about outdoor industrial storage which again i don't know that either one of us have any great lines on but it seems to me that there's a huge need for this right now you know companies looking for you know 10 or 20 or thousand square feet on a you know just a place to park vehicles keep pallets of roofing supplies hold piping you know things like that you know uh, you know lumber etc when they get a good deal uh would love to find a great operator in that class as well.
1: Yeah. I appreciate sharing. If you find a great one, let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep chatting, but it comes down to um, uh, like anything else in real estate it comes down to a great operator and location and, and, and the asset. So if you, yeah. if you can find a great deal, let's certainly join forces. Anyway, it. Uh, it was a great episode. Appreciate your wisdom. Uh, if folks wanted to reach out, learn more about your new fund, uh, how would they uh, get a hold of, of you?
0: They can just come to us at our website, Wellings, W E L L I N G S,
1: WellingsCapital.com. Thank you, Paul, for your wisdom. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Mike.
0: Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fund book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing, Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.